0: The day of departure finally dawned. It didn't feel much different than all the hectic days so far. I had been up late the previous night packing my stuff and had to drag myself out of bed when Abhilash called from the officer's mess asking for a lift to the boat. Sir, our official car will not be available today. The transport pool is telling me that a number of senior officers including the chief of naval staff have landed in town to see off some boat sailing somewhere and there are no cars available. Can you please pick me up from the mess in your car on your way to the boat. We do need some humor in such busy times, I thought to myself, getting ready, fairly certain there was more to come. The previous evening, just as we were about to leave the boat for the day, Abhilash had remembered the immigration formalities. It had totally slipped everyone's mind as no one has to go through them while sailing on a naval ship. It had taken us some time to figure out what exactly I was supposed to do and I had planned to start my day with the immigration office, which turned out to be a police station, not too far away. My departure was planned for 1630 hours, so there wasn't much time left. How did you get inside Mumbai Harbour without a stamp on your passport? We should be putting you behind bars and impounding the boat, boomed the police officer, who was supposed to be stamping my passport as I sat in his office, thoroughly exasperated. But the boat was built in Goa, and I sailed her to Mumbai. Why would I need to get my passport stamped for sailing between two Indian ports? She also a naval boat, and I have a letter from the Navy asking you to stamp my passport. If you don't want to stamp it, can I have my passport black, as I really need to leave this evening? As to impounding the boat, she's at Naval Dockyard. Go try your luck. You are not getting your passport back, nor are you going anywhere. The inane and rather colourful conversation went on for over an hour with a break in between. Standing outside the office, because it needed to be fumigated with mosquito repellent for a suspected spine flu epidemic in the city. I had seriously started losing patience. Suddenly, the same person who had been arguing with me so long took one hard look at me. Were you on television last night? I must have been. So you are the person who is going to be sailing around the world. That's exactly what I've been trying to tell you so long and I need to leave this evening. Now can I please have my passport back? I replied trying my best to keep a neutral voice. Hey, get his passport quickly, with a stamp, but pass that box of sweets first, he told his deputy. I was out of the police station in the next five minutes, my passport stamped, mouth stuffed with sweets, and the good wishes of the entire police station with me. I dropped by home one last time, had a quick lunch, put my personal luggage in my car and headed for the boat. It didn't feel any different than going for just another small trip. I wasn't tense or excited as everyone was expecting me to be. It probably had something to do with the humour in uniform that seemed to be cropping up every now and then. Inside naval dockyard, as I started driving to the boat, I was stopped by the naval police. Sir, you can't drive any further. The road is closed. And why is the road closed? Some boat is sailing somewhere and the CNS and other VIPs are coming to see her off. We have closed the road for security. And who is sailing the boat? I don't know, sir. But you definitely can't go any further. But the boat won't sail unless I put the luggage and myself on her. Here, let me explain. It took some time and patience to explain to the sentry what exactly was going on till he finally agreed to let me go. The press descended soon enough and we got busy. It became so chaotic after a while that I couldn't wait to get out. After the brief introductions and speeches, I led the CNS to the boat and showed him around quickly. As he turned towards me to bid goodbye before getting off the boat, I saluted. And trying to suppress a grin, asked, permission to sail round the world, sir. Most certainly, all the best, he replied, smiling. I ran back, switched on the engine and asked Ratnagar and Avilash to let go the lines. I had been in a sort of detached state of mind, hardly registering what was happening for the past couple of hours. It was as if I was floating around, watching the happenings without actually being involved in them and doing all actions mechanically. There was plenty of noise around with people cheering and the naval band playing on the jetty. Unmindful of all that was happening around me, I was trying to concentrate on getting the boat away from the pontoon without getting anything fogged. In all that, I suddenly heard the voice of a child shouting, all the best, at the top of her voice. That brought me back to reality instantly. It was my four-year-old niece sitting on her dad's shoulder. She had been very quiet so far, no doubt bewildered by all the noise and chaos around. Now she couldn't contain her excitement anymore and had finally found her voice. I just stopped doing everything, turned around and waved her goodbye. I motored the boat out of the naval dockyard, followed by a few Hobie 16 catamarans from the naval sailing club. In about half an hour, I was sufficiently out of restricted waters to put up the sails. The western fleet was entering the harbour, so I got a little away from the main channel, turned the boat into the wind, put her on autopilot and got busy cranking up the mainsail. The sail had barely gone up halfway when I noticed a big grey hull heading for me, obviously heading for her anchor berth. I left everything, got on the wheel and swung the boat away with the half-up sail flapping. I had another go at setting the sail as soon as I was in the clear, turned the boat on a southerly course and switched off the engine. We were finally under sails and on our way. A dockhead passenger boat passed by, full of cheering friends and family. Okay girl, the celebrations are over. Let us get going now. I said to the boat, As I started getting all the banners and decorations off, making her ready for sailing. As I crossed the prongs reef light at the mouth of Mumbai harbour, I offered a coconut to the sea. The CNS had given it to me and someone had told me that it was a tradition to do that. The offering apparently gets you back safely. The next task was getting out of the maze of fishing nets outside the harbour. There was a nice northwesterly breeze up and we managed to cross the island of Khanderi without having to tack or getting seriously stuck in any of the nets. The plan was to keep heading south-southeast, almost parallel to the Indian coast, till crossing the Indian peninsula. I called up home on my cell phone before getting out of range. There seemed to be a party on there, with everyone back from the send-off, and now watching the whole thing on TV. I think I am going to miss all the fun, but then I would not trade sailing like this for anything, I thought. As I sat outside, having some sandwiches and eggs, I heard a very familiar voice on the radio. It was All India Radio, airing my interview recorded a while ago. Three days later, once I had settled down on the boat, I started writing my blog. It had been set up for me by my friend, Anshuman Chatterjee, more than a year ago, but I had been too busy or lazy to write anything on it. There was also the constant uncertainty about the trip not happening. Now there was no excuse. I was off. And whether I finished the trip successfully or not, people had a right to know what was happening. After all, many of the potential readers, the Indian taxpayers, were actually funding my entire project without even being aware of it. My blog posts follow without too many changes as they were the only journal I maintained and may best be able to capture the mood at that time.